I completely called SBF going back to pre-sentence confinement. This judge made every mistake possible. He should know better. He's a judge. A husband's story falls apart regarding his missing wife. And probably a good idea not to make admissions on national TV. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment. Hit that little bell so that you receive notifications. And remember, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. All right, before we get to the doc today, I want to read a comment that uh, one of our subscribers uh, posted because it's been a long week, and, well, it's Monday. And I basically worked all weekend. I was here about eight to nine hours, both on Saturday and Sunday, preparing for a trial. And then when you, when you least expect it, some client that you busted your butt for will come back and say, oh, you didn't do it. And I get it. When you do serious trials, that's what the nature of the beast is. After their appeals are exhausted, they want to go home. They want to get out of prison. Well, then they start saying things about you and that you messed up the trial. It's called post-conviction relief. Well, I just got one from 17 years ago a trial some 17 years ago. And I get it, it's the nature of the beast. I'm not worried about it, but it's just frustrating, particularly when it's just not truthful. That's the part that just is frustrating to me. Anyway, so this comment, we digress. This comment uh, kind of made my day because uh, this is a thankless job. And if you talk to most attorneys, they wouldn't recommend their, their kids to become attorneys. But it is a good profession, and um, we need good people in the profession. So Factual Breakdown uh, 3072 sent me a comment. It was two days ago. It says, just want to say thanks, Scott. My Shannon Lee loved her intensive law and trial program at Stanford Law School, where she was selected for the coveted role as prosecutor. All four feet 11, my mighty might, a senior now in all AP classes, including AP Law, her elective, and she just interviewed for a spot on the school board yesterday. You are an awesome role model, thanks. And then we said thank you, and guess what? She responded back, says, I've been watching you since before lockdown in early 2020, and there aren't the words for me to express to you what your influence through this channel has done to set an example for my daughter who wasn't able to have her dad growing up after cancer took him young. Her first day in AP Law today, mock trial auditions, and I can't wait for her to let me know how it went. Thanks, Scott. You're beyond the best. Well, factual breakdown 3072. Um, let us know how it went, and hopefully uh, it went well for your Shannon Lee. We need good people that want to be attorneys, and frankly, that comment just kind of made my day. Uh, because some days you do this job and it's thankless and you don't think that you're making a difference. So maybe made just a little bit of a difference um, for one person because some days it's you're not sure if you're doing any good. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for August 14th of 2023. First on the docket, I totally called the uh, Sam Bankman Freed going to court. As you may recall, Friday we brought you a story that Sam Bankman-Fried was brought back into court because the prosecutors wanted to revoke his bond because they alleged that he was committing basically a crime, tampering with witnesses, 
on pretrial release by attempting to reach out to them to uh, reminisce and get our story straight. Yes, that is wrong. And I said, well, I was really surprised that this guy was even out on bond. If this was you and me accused of a multi-billion dollar fraud, you'd be sitting in pre-sentence confinement until your trial date. So it was very odd to me that Sam Bankman-Fried even got a bond, even though it was the biggest bond in the history of the United States, like $250 million for a criminal case. And yet he only had to put down a very small chunk. It was basically a personal recognizance bond. Frankly, that is offensive to all the other people that have stolen less, have done less than Sam Bankman-Fried, and they are locked up. And I said, he is going to get locked up. And yes, he is now going to spend the months before his October fraud trial locked up in the Brooklyn jail. And it's not exactly the best place. That guy named Jeff was there. Ghislaine Maxwell was there. He's going to enjoy it. He's going to make the uh, Caribbean jail that he looked in um, look like, I don't know, the Four Seasons. Anyway, so Judge Lewis Kaplan ordered the Bankman Freed to be locked up because, like I said, at last Friday's hearing, he was leaking the personal writings of his former lover and business associate, Caroline Ellison, to the New York Times. And the prosecutors allege that Mr. Bankman-Fried had essentially committed witness tampering by sharing the writings ahead of a trial in which Ellison, who's already pled guilty to fraud charges, related to her work at FTX that linked the crypto hedge fund Almeida Research uh, to all the wrongdoings alleged. Now, needless to say, the attorneys were doing their job for Bankman-Fried, and they argued that um, they planned to appeal the court's decision. And Judge Cohen said, I'm not going to allow you a bond uh, pending the appeal. So go to jail, and then you can appeal the uh, decision to revoke the bond. Now, let me tell you, very unlikely that Sam Bankman-Fried is going to get out again because the standard that would have to be applied would be an abuse of discretion standard, which basically means the judge just completely did something basically illegal. That wasn't the case. This guy should have been in custody the first time when he was up for a bond hearing. Now, the defense is gonna argue that he was entitled to speak to the press and accuse prosecutors of pressing for his imprisonment based upon this innuendo speculation and scant facts now, the feds say that he bilked, obviously, customers out of billions of dollars, money he purportedly used to fund a quite lavish lifestyle, including those real estate purchases in the Bahamas. Well, his trial is set to begin on October 2nd of this year. So at least he won't have to wait long. But under the federal sentencing guidelines, when we're talking billions and billions of dollars, he could potentially spend the rest of your life in prison. All right. Next, a judge should have known better. He made every wrong decision, okay? Now, an Orange County judge out there in California was charged with murder in the shooting death of his 68-year-old wife at their Anaheim Hills home. Now, prosecutors announced uh, last Friday that Jeffrey Ferguson was charged with one felony count of murder and one felony enhancement of personal use of a firearm and one felony enhancement of a discharge of a firearm causing great bodily injury and death. Now, Judge Ferguson faces a maximum sentence of 40 years to life in prison if he's convicted on all counts. And so as things allegedly took place back on August 3rd, police responded about 8 p.m. to the uh, judge's home following a report of a shooting. Officers found Cheryl Ferguson suffering from at least one gunshot wound um, 
inside the home there, and uh, she was shot in the chest. She died at the scene. The couple's adult son called 911 to report the shooting, and a court filing from the uh, prosecutor says that Ferguson texted his court clerk and bailiff minutes after the killing, saying, quote, I just lost it. I just shot my wife. I won't be in tomorrow. I'll be in custody. Sorry. Not good, Judge. You know better. That's a statement against interest. And he said he just lost it, apparently, during this argument. What's interesting, though, is guess what? The judge, yeah, he's been released. So needless to say, the judge was arrested at the location at the uh, near his house, and he posted bond and was released from custody the following day. Oh, and one final text. He said, I can't believe I did this. Not good. Well, the good judge's uh, arraignment is set for tomorrow. And uh, as I said, they sought a non-monetary bail, including that uh, the judge uh, be required to surrender his passport. Can you imagine if you shot your wife in the chest and you just happen to not be a judge if you're going to have a non-monetary bail? Go figure. What can you say, ladies and gentlemen? It's almost like there's a two-tiered justice system, isn't it? Just saying, you make up your own minds. Just let me know what you think. Next on the docket, another case of my wife just went missing. I have no idea where she might be. So the uh, soldier of a husband of an Alaska National Guard member found dead this week from a bullet wound to the head has told investigators a different story than the one that the Anchorage detectives uncovered that led to his arrest for murder. So specialist Zarius Hildebrand reported Saria Hildebrand missing Monday after he said she didn't return home from work. Interesting, isn't it? Well, he spent the week before her body was found posting desperate messages on social media and even walking the area with his mother-in-law searching for his wife. But as the week went on, according to uh, affidavits, pieces of the soldier's story began to crumble. Zarius Hildebrand told police that he and his 21-year-old wife went out with friends Saturday night to celebrate his birthday, returning home about 2 a.m. On Sunday morning, he said Saria decided to walk to her job at a restaurant because both of them were hungover and didn't feel comfortable driving. She left about 9 or 10 a.m., according to Zarius, forgetting to take her phone as well although she did take her purse and wallet. Needless to say, Hildebrand said he didn't realize something was wrong until he went to pick her up from work about 7 p.m. and learned that she hadn't even shown up for work at all. He still wasn't concerned, according to um, police, he said, until about 10 o'clock, but didn't report his wife missing until the following day because he thought she was probably, you know, they had a misunderstanding and, and that she would turn up shortly. Well, that's where things didn't quite make sense. Police started finding more questions than answers, and Hildebrand refused to let officers search a bed in the couple's home after they noticed a missing sheet on the bed and new sheets on the kitchen table. He claimed that they were embarrassing items and stuff used for, you know, being intimate underneath the bed and didn't want him to take a look at it. Well, investigators later found out that Zarius, who initially said that he had vegged at home all day, but later said he ran several errands. Yeah, it turned out some of those errands were he went to the Fred Meyer store, including the uh, sheet set, mattress cover, and some hydrogen peroxide. 
I wonder what they could be using the hydrogen peroxide for. I just don't get it. Hmm. So as the week continued, officers finally executed a search warrant and found that there was so much blood on the mattress that the blood soaked through onto the carpet and actually into the wood frame, according to the affidavit. The police also recovered two handguns, one missing a bullet from the magazine. Police um, said that the uh, two handguns uh, refused to let them uh, search but the next day, he told the Army criminal investigators he had only one gun. Investigators also found evidence of blood in the apartment bathtub and on some of the floors. Most likely, some sort of cleanup was taking place. But let's not speculate. Well, a neighbor reported also hearing a gunshot about 2.45, but police responded to the call, found really nothing amiss. Investigators learned that Saria Hildebrand's phone had actually texted a coworker at 10.45 a.m. saying she wasn't coming into work. The coworker told her she needed to talk to her boss, but she didn't call. Zaria said he didn't send the text and couldn't explain how his wife's phone, left behind when she headed off for work, sent a text some 45 minutes later. Oh. Anyway, in an interview, one of the friends couple um, that he had allegedly been out with Saturday night said that Saria hadn't said she wasn't going to work the following day as well. On uh, Thursday, detectives tracked down Hildebrand's phone, found that he had been to Lowe's where he bought the large uh, wheeled garbage can as well. They found a similar can on a landscaping truck not far from the apartment complex where the couple lived, and they took that into custody as well. The truck had been parked near a trail, and officers brought a drone to the area. They ultimately found evidence that Saria Hildebrand's body was in a storm drain off the trail. But don't fret. He thought he had it all figured out. That's right, old Zarius. He played the part of the worried husband, posting those messages on social media, um, searching for Saria with her mother, who flew from Utah to Alaska to search after the concerned husband, called her to say that her daughter was her daughter was missing. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he walked around for hours searching for his wife, his mother's daughter, knowing that she was dead. Hildebrand, the Hildebrands were married last December. Saria moved to Alaska earlier this year to be with her new husband. Uh, she was a combat medic in the Alaska Army National Guard, having joined in April. She previously served with the Utah Army National Guard. Zarius is assigned to the 2nd Infantry Brigade Combat Team at the Airborne Division at Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson. What can you say, ladies and gentlemen? The truth usually comes out. From the time the investigation begins to the time charges are filed or a trial, uh, commences, the truth will come out. Sometimes it just comes out a little sooner. All right, next on the docket, just like the judge making admissions to his court staff, that's right, don't make admissions on national TV. Do you remember Timothy Blythnik? He was found guilty back in May of the February 2nd killing of his wife, Becky Blythnik, in Illinois. Now, the mother of three was found dead in her home, by her father after her family became concerned that she had not picked up her sons from school. Well, on Friday, Judge Robert Adrian sentenced Blythnik to life and stressed the calculated nature of his killing. He, the judge stated, you research this murder, you plan this murder, you practice this murder, you broke into her house and you shot her, the judge said. The judge then counted loudly to 14, that's right, the same number of times 
bullets Blythnik put into his ex-wife. The judge continued, I don't know how long it took you to do that. Some of those shots were fired while she was lying on the ground, the judge noted. And you did all of this while your children were upstairs laying snug in their bed. The judge nailed it on that one. Anyway, Blythnik appeared on Family Feud back in 2020 and joked with the uh, host, Steve Harvey, at the time that uh, somebody's biggest wedding mistake would likely be getting married at all. I guess that's a Freudian slip. I don't know, but he deserves life in prison. I'm sure 17 years later, he will say that his attorney should have done something different and it would have made the difference in the world. No, it wouldn't have. Anyway, finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Police allege that an irate Andres Perez and his spouse had been arguing about financial and infidelity issues when, that's right, Mr. Perez, a police officer, stormed into the kitchen in his wife's direction, throwing, guess what, that's right, food. But in this particular case, a McDonald's cheeseburger. I don't think we've had any McDonald's violence in a while. Anyway, the uh, spouse told police that uh, Mr. Perez then struck her with a closed fist to the right side of the head behind her ear during the incident there at their home in Florida. Now, Mr. Perez and the woman have been in a relationship for about eight years and have been married for three years total, and they do share kids in common. He's been charged with misdemeanor battery, and the, he was booked into the county jail, Mr. Perez was. Or I should say, say, Officer Perez? Well, Officer Perez bonded out of the Broward County Jail because he's an officer with Miami-Dade Police Department, which is headquartered about 25 miles south of Miramar. Now, obviously, we'll give Officer Perez, our alleged dumb criminal of the day, the presumption of innocence because he's entitled to that. But let's just say hypothetically, he did it. Well, his job as a police officer will be done because police officers are supposed to follow the law. They're supposed to do it better. And guess what? Police officers have to be able to carry a firearm. But you don't have a domestic violence conviction on your record. You can't possess a firearm, a handgun. So his police career will be over. Mr. Perez, that's dumb. You know better. All right. Thanks for watching, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time.